If you have a copy of God's Word nearby, if you could grab it, turn with me to uh, not Judges this week, uh, but Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at Luke 10 this morning. And we're, uh, it's Advent. We're going to take a break for a few weeks from Judges and uh, come back and pick up Judges again at the first of the year. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. This is God's Word. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask God to help us through his spirit this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do need your help uh, this morning as we have prayed. Uh, We have lots of needs. Uh, We have a lot coming from lots of different places this morning. And I pray that you would come and through your spirit, uh, you would show us uh, our own hearts, show us our busyness and how our busyness actually keeps us from what is best. I pray that you would show us Jesus and that we would be captured with Jesus and the incarnation and the fact that you took on flesh and came into the world. Would you capture us with that more than anything else this Advent Christmas season? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Familiarity robs of joy and wonder. We see it all the time, don't we? In countless ways, every day, uh, we see that happening. For example, let's say you move into a new neighborhood and into a new house. And you take your dog, it's a new, new sights, new sounds all around you, and you're taking your dog on that daily walk, and you get to the end of the corner, and you see the most beautiful rose bushes that you've ever seen in your entire life. They're so beautiful that you have to stop and take them in. They're so beautiful that after the walk, you get home from walking the dog, and you can't wait to tell someone about it. You tell your family and your children about the beauty of the rose bushes. And they're so beautiful that you're on your way to dinner later that evening and you stop at the corner and you say, look, that's what I'm talking about. Did you see how beautiful those things are? And then a week or two passes and you stop noticing. A week or two passes and they become so familiar that you don't notice them anymore. The thing that you once thought was beautiful and once stopped to take in, you don't even notice. And if we're honest, it happens in lots of ways all around us, but one of the ways that I think it happens is it happens with Christmas, doesn't it? It happens with Advent. We've been doing this thing called Christmas, some of us, for a long, long time. And it's become so familiar that when we walk by the beauty of the incarnation, the fact that the God of the universe takes on flesh and comes into the world in the form of a baby to dwell among us, 
That's amazing. But it's lost its beauty, hasn't it? Oftentimes it's so familiar that the beauty of that and the wonder of that stops gripping our hearts. And the question is, why does that happen? Well, it happens because we've become distracted. It's happened because more specifically, we are so busy. This morning, I want us to talk about busyness. Did you know that we are the busiest people to ever live on the face of the earth? We're exhausted most of the time. To the point that it's almost trendy. I know that it was definitely this way on the college campus. It's almost trendy now to be worn out. Being overly busy has become so normal that we don't even see it anymore. It's just simply a way of doing life. And to the fact that we often, if we're not busy, and other people around us are busier than we are, we feel guilty. And we feel lazy for not being busy. As one writer says, we're busier this year than we were last year. And we will be busier next year than we were this year. This is, of course, true of every uh, season of the year, but I think it's particularly true of this season. This season that we call Advent and Christmas. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to start off Advent with this message. This message is for me more than anyone else. Because this is the time of year in a few weeks. It's coming, just wait, brace yourself. It might already be upon you. But in a few weeks, you will have more parties than you can attend. There's the decorations that need to be put up. There's the school programs. There's running all over Birmingham to get a gift and to take back a gift. There's fighting the 280 traffic, the teacher gifts, and someone got you a gift and you didn't get them a gift, so you've got to go out and get them a gift. And somebody sends you a postcard that wasn't on your list. You you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) You feel that, don't you? And by the end of the season, we're just ready for it to be over. It was in a conversation I had last week with someone, and I do it every year. I'm right there with you. I say, this is going to be the year that we're going to do things differently. And it never happens. Luke chapter 10, Jesus shows us that it's really easy for us to be busy with good things. And listen, everything that I just mentioned, those are good things. Don't hear me saying those are bad things. Those are good things. It's good to eat good food. It's good to celebrate with people. It's good to give gifts. But Jesus is saying that it's really easy for us to be busy with good things and miss the best thing. In this passage this morning, Jesus is calling us, starting with your pastor, to look at our busyness really closely. Look at all of the good things around us that we're involved in. And Jesus is inviting us this Advent season to slow down. To slow down and to realign our lives with the best thing. And the question is, how do we do that? Well, three things we see in this passage on how we do that. First, we've got to recognize the problem of good things. Secondly, we've got to understand the heart behind busyness. What's underneath and what's driving our busyness in the world and in our lives? And thirdly, we've got to sit at Jesus' feet. So let's look at those three things. 
recognize the problem of good things. Look at verse 38. Jesus came to a village, and a woman named Martha greets him. So a few things here I want to say about Mary and Martha that we see in other places of Scripture. Jesus loved this family dearly. How do we know? Well, John chapter 11, verse 5, it says this. John says, Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary and Lazarus. And so Jesus is passing through this village, and where else is he going to eat? He's going to eat at a home of a family that he loves dearly. And so he shows up for dinner, and Martha, it says, is distracted by all the preparations that need to be made. But before we move on, let me make a comment here and be clear about something. Martha's gotten a bad rap over the years. Oftentimes, Martha is presented or looked at in a very negative way as if she did not love Jesus. Why aren't you, Martha, doing what Mary's doing? No, no, no. Martha loved Jesus deeply. It's just that she had a different love language. She had a different way of showing it. If you're familiar with the five love languages, hers was acts of service. She was a type A personality. She was a go-getter. And she wanted to show Jesus that she loved him. And for her, it was making sure everything was perfect for him when he arrived. We do that all the time, don't we? If someone you love deeply is coming over to your house, you want things to be just right. You want the house to be clean, the yard to be mowed, and you want the food to be just right. That's what Martha wanted. And the thing I want us to see here is that Martha loved Jesus and that Martha is actually doing very good things. She's not doing bad things. She's being welcoming. She's being hospitable. And those things were very cherished and valued in that culture. And did you notice, you got to look kind of closely, but she's convinced that she's right. She's convinced that what she's doing is the right thing and what Mary's doing is the wrong thing. And you see it in her response to Jesus. Look at it. Do you not care that my sister is just sitting and not serving me? And then I love this. Jesus, tell her to help me. Tell her to get busy. And you know, you can just imagine the scene. I kind of pictured myself being there. And you can imagine the dishes clanking loudly. Yes, and, and Martha saying, you know, y'all just sit down, be comfortable, I got it all, don't worry. You know, sarcastically saying something like that, thinking surely Jesus is going to get my back. But he doesn't. Look at verse 42. Martha, Martha, you're so anxious and troubled by many things. Let me say a word about this. To use a name twice meant Uh, It was a way of indicating intense emotion. But this is not anger emotion, I don't think. This is gentleness. This is a soothing. This is not a mad and angry Jesus. Jesus loved Martha. It's an intense emotion of he just wants Martha to see what Mary sees. The NIV says that she was worried and upset. The message says it this way. Martha, dear Martha. You're fussing about far too much, and you're getting all worked up over nothing. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? I can. 
I mean, think about it. We go week after week, crazy week after crazy week, and crazy month after crazy month, worried and anxious and stressed. Every school project, every dirty room, athletic practice, piano lesson, dirty sink full of dishes becomes a reason for us to get anxious and stressed out. We're all very, very busy, and Jesus is just saying we're not busy with the right things. We're not busy with what matters most. As I was reading for this week's message, I thumbed through Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. It's a book that's been out for a while, but in this book, Kevin DeYoung says that one of the, main, one of the titles of the chapter, which the title's hilarious, he said, uh, he titles the chapter Kinderarchy, Ruled by Children. And he says and makes an argument that so many uh, of us today, so much of the family is structured around children in a way that it never has been before. And there, there was this study that he talks about in the book about a, a, a group of folks that ask children about their parents. And most of the children wished that their, not that their parents would spend more time with them. Their wish was that their parents were less tired, and less busy and less stressed out. They were asked to give a grade to their parents, and the children gave their grade uh, to their parents a C, D, or F in controlling their temper. And it goes on to say that our children are suffering for what is, from what is called secondhand stress, and that the best thing that we could do for our kids is find a way to stop, and stop being so frantic and frazzled. And then listen to this quote. By trying to do so much for them, we are actually making our kids less happy. It would be better for us and for our children if we planned fewer outings, got involved in fewer activities, and made parental sanity a a higher priority. Jesus says to us this morning, just like he says to Martha, you're all worked up, but only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen the good portion. Your busyness is not wrong, but it's not what is best. Let me be clear. This is not a call for you to go move out into the middle of nowhere and to be in silence 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's not what this passage is telling us to do. This passage is about priorities. It's about realigning our priorities from what is good to what matters most. And the interesting thing in this passage that needs to be pointed out, the word distracted in verse 40 is the most important word in the whole passage. It literally means pulled apart. Literally means drawn away or pulled away from. Do you ever feel like you are, you know, you give your attention to one thing and you've got five other things and it seems like that are pulling at you and it literally feels like you're being pulled apart. Because you're so distracted. Martha is doing good things. But she's being pulled away from the best thing. She has replaced Jesus with all she is doing for Jesus. So much so that as she's busy cooking dinner, she's actually given Jesus her spiritual leftovers. And so that's my question for you. That's my question for me. Is has our busyness distracted it, 
distracted us and pulled us away from Jesus? Is our family life so chaotic and busy that if Jesus gets anything, he gets our leftovers? Friends, it's Christmas season. There's going to be lots of good things that are coming your way. My prayer for all of us this Advent season is that we would slow down and that we would not be pulled away from the best thing. And that is the wonder of the incarnation of God. God taking on flesh and dwelling among his people. Secondly, and briefly, we've got to understand the root of busyness. So how do you know if you're being distracted? How do you know if you're neglecting the best thing? You know how you know? There's probably lots of ways. But look at where you get angry. Look at where you get discouraged. Think about Martha. Look at where you get full of self-pity. Why won't you tell her to help me? Look at those places. Those will show you uh, where you are being distracted. Because when we become busy and worn out and replace the best thing with good things, it always leads to anger and discouragement. Did you hear that? When we get busy and worn out and replace the best thing with good things, then it always leads to anger and discouragement. Why is that? Well, because that is definition exhibit A of idolatry. You see, your anger and your discouragement and self-pity actually shows you your heart. It actually shows you your idols. Martha had made an idol out of the evening. But think about it. Is it good to give Jesus the best and want a good meal for Jesus? Absolutely. That's a great thing. But Martha had become distracted. And she was pulled away when she wanted a good thing too much. Someone was destroying her idol. And she didn't like it. We also see this Jesus getting to the heart. If you notice, uh, Jesus doesn't criticize her for what she's doing. He goes underneath. He gets into her heart and shows her what her busyness is all about and how she has actually missed the most important thing, which is him. And so the point, under the second point, the main thing I want you to take away from is this. There's always something going on underneath your busyness. There's always something driving your busyness. And if you're ever going to change and slow down, you've got to put your finger on that. There are lots of things that could be said here, but it might be for you pride. The most fundamental reason that you're so busy is that you just simply want to look good. And you want other people to notice you. That's Martha. Even in the name of service, like Martha, we can be doing good things for the wrong reasons. Or it might be position. I do too much all of the time because that's what people like me are supposed to do. And if I don't do it, I'm going to lose my position and someone's going to come and take my position perhaps. Or maybe it's prestige. I want to push myself because when I finally arrive at that point, I will know that I'm somebody. I will know that I'm enough. And so our busyness becomes a way of validating our existence a way of feeling and knowing that we're important. And if validating your existence is, is what is driving your heart, then you will always be too busy. You will never slow down because think about it. You can't afford to slow down and sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary because you will tell yourself when you slow down, you'll say things like this. Man, I'm being lazy. 
I can't do this. This is laziness. Or if you slow down, you'll think, somebody else is taking advantage of these opportunities and they're getting the deal and I'm not. And I'm missing opportunities. You'll say things like that to your heart. Or you'll say, Jesus has given us this good time and I'm wasting it. Or maybe it's people pleasing. Maybe we're so busy because we can't say no because we want people to like us and we're scared that they will disapprove of us. And so we're actually scared and afraid of other people. And sometimes that's even our own children. You see, people pleasing and pride, I think, are the things that drive the Christmas chaos. We want to look good. We don't want to disappoint people. And so we've run ourselves ragged over the next couple of weeks trying to keep all the plates spinning so that no one's disappointed with us. And the other thing we see is that uh, trying to do good things, oftentimes in the midst of this, our busyness, I think we're trying to do good things, but we do things that God doesn't expect us to do. I love Jay Scalara, who's a professor at Covenant Seminary, he's noted, I don't know if he still does this, but at one time I'd heard that he makes all his seminary students stand up, walk to the front of the class, face the class, and they have to confess and look all of their classmates in the eye and say, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. They have to confess that out loud. And that's not only an exercise that I think pastors need to do regularly, I think that's a good exercise for all of us to do on a regular basis. Because some of you this morning are trying to be the Christ. You're running yourself ragged, trying to uphold and keep all the plates spinning. And trying to be the personal savior for the people around you. So perhaps you need to say, I'm not the Christ. We need to say that regularly. Why? Because it lets us know our place In the created order, doesn't it? It reminds us that we're human. And that we've got limitations. And that we can't be everywhere. And we can't fix everything. And we can't know everything. And the more we say that and deal with the heart of what's driving our busyness, the more we will be able to pull back and live a life of peace. And a life that's more in control. Thirdly, we see here that we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. Look at verse 39. You want to remedy your busyness? You want a, a plan for reordering or restoring order to your life? Some of you like plans. Well, this passage gives you a one-step plan. And the plan, if you want to reorder your life, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's the plan. That's the plan of the Bible. Did you happen to see, if you look at the context, if you have a Bible open, look at the context of this passage. It's very interesting and helps us to get the main point of the passage we're looking at this morning. Look earlier in chapter 10, you see Jesus sent 72 out, 72 of his disciples out for a missions trip, and they cast out demons, they heal people, they share the gospel with people. And then all very good things, by the way. And then secondly, we see the Good Samaritan. It's where the guy who uh, shows compassion and shows us what it means to love our neighbor. And then did you notice, right after those things, all of that activity, Jesus 
puts this passage here. Luke puts this passage about Mary and Martha after all that activity, and it's not an accident. As you see, God wants us to see that we can do all sorts of things for Jesus. All sorts of good things for Jesus. We can do acts of mercy and justice, and we can heal people and cast out demons and preach the gospel. We can do all those things and actually miss Jesus and miss the thing that we most need. That's what this passage is showing us. Don't get me wrong, friends. We need to serve. Absolutely we need to serve. But it's upside down and backwards if we think in serving Jesus, it will bring us closer to Jesus and make Him love us more. Remember, I talk about this a lot, the gospel order. Remember the gospel order, and we actually see it here. You obey, not to get God to love you. You obey, why? Because God loves you. It starts, in other words with sitting at the feet of Jesus, not the other way around. We can't ever forget that. And so then the question is, what what does it mean? What does it mean for us to sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, look at the passage. It tells us. First, it means that we adore and worship Jesus. Look at verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. And so what we see here is a posture of adoration, a posture of submission, She knows who Jesus is. And she respects His authority. And she sits at His feet. And that's why we come here on Sunday mornings. We recalibrate our hearts. We come in here and we are reminded because it gives us perspective. And we come here every Sunday when we forget. This week you'll forget. And we come back and we're reminded and have perspective on what is really important in life. Because life only makes sense when you sit at the feet of Jesus. Because think about it. At the feet of Jesus, what do you realize? If you're sitting and praying and bowing before, you realize that you were bought with a price. You realize that you are not your own. You realize that He's your master. That you're not your own master. And you see, one of the reasons why I think we're so frantic and so busy It's because we live with the illusion that we're in control. We live with the illusion that we are our own master. And when we do that, it separates us from the way that we were actually created. You were created for Jesus. And when we sit at Jesus' feet, it realigns us, it recalibrates us, and reminds us of who we are. And when we are reminded of who we are, we realize that Jesus has top priority and everything else. Family, home, work, and play comes after that. The other thing, though, the other way that we sit at Jesus' feet, we see in this passage, look at verse 39 again, is by listening to Jesus. It says that she was listening to his teaching. She listened to his words. We don't know what specifically Jesus was teaching her, but we do know what Jesus talked about his entire life. What did he talk about his whole life? Read the Gospels. Things like eternity, the kingdom of God, the hope and forgiveness of sins. He talked about coming into the world as a baby and taking on flesh and being born of a virgin and all that's really important because everything that needed to be done to make you perfectly right with God, Jesus says it has been done. That I was sinless and lived the life that you couldn't live. 
and I died the death that you deserved, and it is finished, Jesus says, at the end of his life. That is your hope. And that is the rest of the Christian life. And that is really good news. Because when we sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him, see how the gospel is applicable? When you sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him, you are able to rest. You're able to slow down. Why? Because the thing that wears you out, the thing that makes you so busy, what is it? Finding worth and value, self-validation. The gospel says that is finished. Because on the cross, Jesus experienced the restlessness of being separated from his Father so that you could experience the deep rest of knowing that God loves you and that you belong to him and that you will never be snatched out of his hands. I'll close with this. There's an illustration I read in a book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And it's a story about a girl named Ainsley. She's 18. And she left home for an Ivy League school. She had a great freshman year. But sophomore year, for reasons that she cannot explain, her life went off the rails. She, it went off the rails. That's the best way you can describe it. And she was eventually kicked out of school. She had to call her parents and tell her that she had been kicked out of the Ivy League school that she had had a scholarship for. And that she was on her way back home. Said she pulled in the driveway, you can imagine, full of shame, full of fear. And she said, I saw my dad's pickup truck, the Chevy pickup truck, and my heart just sank. Because I knew how disappointed he would be. She walks up to the window and looks through the curtains and sees her mom and dad drinking coffee at the table. And when she walks in, she says she saw her mom puffy and crying. Tired, angry, and sad. And she looked over at her dad and she was expecting his face to be full of anger and disappointment. But she said, instead, strangely, uh, it was calm and kind. And she said he leaned forward and whispered, Are you all right? Are you okay? And she said immediately she burst into tears. He waited and he listened. He was not concerned about how this would look in the community. He was not concerned how it would look with other, other people in the family. He was not concerned in this moment how this expulsion would change her life and her future. He was simply worried about her. And then she says this, listen to her words. You can't imagine how that felt. It was over 30 years ago. The love I felt for him is as fresh and new as it was then. Because I knew he loved me. He didn't let his disappointments or his anger ever supersede his love. In those moments, after I walked through the door, I got a glimpse of who I was in his eyes. In those moments, when I walked through the door, I got a glimpse of who I was in his eyes. And then listen to this. I knew that I, not what I had accomplished, was what he cherished. I knew that I, not all the things that I had accomplished, was what he cherished. Church, Jesus loves you this morning. 
And it's not for what you accomplish. He loves you because you are His. He loves you because you belong to Him. And Jesus says to Faith Presbyterian Church as we begin another Advent season, Dear FPC, you are so worried and upset by so many things. Don't miss the best thing this Christmas for all the good things. Slow down. Come sit at my feet. Because that is what is best. And that will never be taken away from you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us? We want to be the kind of people. We don't want to be a church or a people that are so busy with good things that we miss the best thing. And so help us this Advent season and throughout the year to slow down and to sit at your feet. Thank you for taking on flesh and coming into the world to rescue us. Forgive us for being so busy and distracted that we miss the wonder of Christmas. Help us to sit at your feet, to worship you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.